chapter 50. Genesis 50. Uh, church, I, I, um, I guess this message, this particular message today, I have probably worked harder on than any message I have in quite a while. And because um, I want to get this right, because I'm going to take us into an area that is a, it is a big area of questions in a lot of people's minds. And what happened as I started getting into the message, I realized that I'm not going to be able to pull it off in one because there's just too much scripture and I want to speak with scripture today I don't want to give you my opinion I, I want God to give us his word and don't you and, and I realized in order to do this justice this, this message needed to have a companion so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to take the next few moments and I'm going to get us to a place to where I can just pause right there and I'm going to ask you to put a pause in your brain and then come back next week and I'm going to give you um, really you could call it the meat of the message of answering this whole question and how often have you heard this if God is a good God then why is there so much evil and why is there so much suffering and pain in the earth well I'm going to go there and I'm going to talk about that this series has been in the line of um, what we're calling enlargement. And I, as you know, I, I read there in Psalm 4, 1, it says, For uh, thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Which when you begin to think about a lot of the things that God is doing in your life and our lives, is that even things that we think, adversity, the second part of this message, this series was the advantage of adversity. Do you understand that no matter what you're going through, it's only a temporary thing? Come on, I need an amen there. Unless you want to, sit, unless you want to stay in it all the time. I'm not looking for trouble. I'm not looking for adversity, but I have found if you truly live for God, it, it seems to find you. And, um, and I learned that, see, all adversity is, all difficulties are, are, are zones are seasons that contain information that you need that you couldn't get any other way. Otherwise, God would have filtered it. Adversity is nothing more than something for you to extract information that you need. And so, uh, that's why we're in this series. And then last week, I talked to you about the fellowship of his suffering. And that's not a, listen, that's not the kind of message a seeker-friendly church should be preaching. I mean, if you want to get them in the seats tell them all the good stuff but don't tell them any of the bad stuff because that's going to make them go to another church but listen I, here's what I know is that when all hell breaks loose and the preacher's been up doing pep talks and motivational speeches I don't want you come and look me in the eye and say pastor did you know this was going to happen did you know there was going to be persecution and if I look at you and say yes I did you're going to say why did you not stand up there and tell us because listen uh, that's our heritage. Uh, all the disciples died 
as martyrs. The history of the church has been persecution and suffering. He said, I'm not, I'm not preaching that to do a gloom, despair, and agony on me. In fact, the Bible says when you're persecuted for righteousness sake, it says rejoice and be glad. And in one place, Jesus said, and leap. Some of y'all need to join my holy leapers club. When you suffer for doing right, you need to start leaping. You need to start jumping up and down. So he, he said it because he says, great is your reward in heaven for the temporary suffering or persecution you're going through now. So we come to the title to the message today and I'm, I've entitled it, I changed it from what I told you. It could be called a lot of things. But I'm calling it God is great, God is good. God is great, God is good. How many of you grew up praying that prayer over, over your dinner? Mom and daddy told you, here's how you pray. God is great, God is good. Let us thank him for this food. All right? So I want to talk to you about how great is the Lord and how good he is. Now I'm going to say this again lest, lest we, we, we forget. If you have been through adversity, if you have been through trials and tribulations, some type of pain and suffering, you have faced down evil, then what I'm going to be saying to you today is that it's going to bear witness with you. Some of you, as I learned a couple of weeks ago when I did talk about adversity, I would say the majority of this church raised their hand and said, yes, I'm going through something right now, preacher. So it was a timely message. And I just say, thank you, Holy Spirit, because he knew. But if, if you're not in one of those groups, you still better pay attention to this message because if you're really going to serve the Lord, you're going to need to know this in the future. And so I want to take the case study today and use Joseph as our study. And let's pick it up in verse 20. I'm going to do a recap of where he came, but let me just read this verse and then I want us to pray together over this message. And... Genesis 50 and verse, let's, let's pick it up in verse 19 because this is Joseph speaking to his brothers now. He said, do not be afraid for I am in the place of God. And he says, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about as it is this day to save many people alive. Could you put your hand on your Bible and let's agree together. Father God, this is your word. And Lord, your word is eternal. Heaven and earth shall pass away. Your word shall never pass away. I ask you, Lord, as I speak to your people to give them revelation of your goodness, to help us to understand that you are a good God. And that, Lord, that in knowing that, that that being armed and equipped with the information that you're a good God, there is no darkness in you, there's no evil in you. God, when we're armed with that, we can face anything because we know whatever we're going through is just a light and momentary affliction. And knowing that you're a good God and that you can take anything that happens to us and you can turn it around for the good. For we ask it 
In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, it's essential to know, church, that, that God is good. Do you believe he's good? Well, can I just be honest with you? It doesn't matter whether you believe or not. <laughs> Didn't mean to trick you there. But even if you don't think he's good, I've got a late-breaking bulletin for you. It doesn't change who he is. And especially when trials, when troubles, when struggles hit people's lives, I have met people now over the years who somebody in their family died unexpectedly. Maybe they they had a a, a baby that that, uh, was lost. We have some friends in Huntsville, that great godly couple, and they went out one morning and found their little baby had gotten into the swimming pool and had drowned. This was a Christian couple, y'all. And then those questions come, well, could not God have saved that baby? Could have not he not sinned? And we all know, yes, he could. I heard a story, by contrast, of a little baby down in Pensacola, Florida. The family was on vacation, and somehow the, the, the little baby, it was a 16-month-old baby, had gotten away from the parents and had gone out... Um, on the balcony and was several floors up and the baby somehow managed to get over that railing and fell several stories and hit the parking lot. When they saw the baby go over, they, they, you know, their thought was the baby is dead. When they got down to the parking lot, the baby, all the little girl had on was a diaper and had fallen, I think it was eight stories, and had fallen and, and, and there was not a scratch on that baby. The only thing they said, the diaper she was wearing had exploded. But there was not a scratch on the baby. Folks, Forrest Gump's mama said, God is mysterious, to quote mama. And there are things about God that we don't understand. And I just got to be honest with you. Even as I go here, I, I have looked into, into the face of people with agony. I mean, we know what that is. See, her daddy was a godly man, one of the most godly men I know. Never smoked a cigarette in his life, but yet we prayed over him and prayed because he had lung cancer and he died of lung cancer. We lost a baby in 2004 to miscarriage. We have seen things happen in our life that we can't explain but what I have found is that when, when you start talking like this, when somebody's hurting, and I don't know if I'm talking to you or not, they're saying, Bill, I appreciate you, what you're trying to do here, but you understand there's agony inside of me. You understand it's like somebody reaped in and just tore my heart out, and, and I'm just hurting right now. I'm just lonely. I just don't know what I'm going through, and where is God in all this mess that I'm in? I need to tell you something. When people say, I don't want to hear about theology. See, that's what we're going to talk about. Theology, theo, God, ology, the study of God. Here's what I know. If you don't know who he is when you hit trials and tribulations, it could wreck your faith. You could end up charging God and cursing him not knowing what you're doing. You've got to understand that he's a good God. And just like Joseph did standing before his brothers that day, he stood in an amazing turn of events. You see, here is uh, Joseph's, here is the Reader's Digest uh, version of this. All right, Joseph, right? He's our case study. He was the son of Jacob. 
he was the favored one, wasn't he? He was the 11th child, and he was the daughter of Rachel, who was the beloved of, of Jacob, right? And, um, and Jacob favored him. Now, all the other boys had to sleep in the bunk beds and had to work doing the labor. Joseph kind of got it easy. In fact, he got a, a technicolor coat. He got a coat that had sleeves sewn in it, which meant he was somebody. And in doing so, it created a jealousy between him. And then, of all things, the, 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 the daddy's pet, because, see, Rachel died, and there was just left Benjamin and Joseph, who were the two sons of Rachel. Uh, then, then Joseph has this dream. <laughs> And, uh, and he came up, and I don't know if he should have told him or not. You, you can debate that. But he came up, and I said, he, he says, uh, I had a dream. All y'all bowed down me. Y'all, the guys already hate his guts, and now he says, y'all gonna bow down to me. Okay? And then he knows God is going to use him with this dream. But folks, will you take that journey with Joseph just for a moment with me? Because God has a way of doing things differently than what he thought. Let me ask you this question. In looking back now at your journey and where you've come from to where you are today, let me ask you this. Would you have taken the same route that you took? I can tell you this, as, as a pastor for 34 years now, uh, there are some moves I wouldn't have made <laughs> if God would have consulted me and said, you know, okay, God, I don't want to go over there because I'm going to get in trouble. And God's like, well, okay, am, are you my servant? Am, am I the master? Who's in charge here? You are. Then you go where I tell you to go, regardless of the consequences. And Joseph, you think, okay, well, God's going to raise him up. He's going to be this great servant of the Lord. And then what does God do? The road to success meant that the first place that he stopped was in a pit. Hallelujah. Oh, this is good preaching. I don't care who you are. Threw him into a pit, y'all, jagged rocks sitting down there. It was an old dry well. I mean, come on, God. What are you doing here? I'm supposed to, I'm the dreamer, man. And God says, yeah, your brothers are, are so mad at you, they're going to throw you into the, and then they thought that's not good enough. They said, we're going to go retrieve him from the pit and we're going to sell him into slavery. <laughs> now, that's a blessing. Anybody ever heard about blessings in disguise? Yeah, I'm sold into slavery. Thank you, brothers. And then, because God's favor, check this out, God's favor is on his life even while he's a slave. Because it says, and that his master noticed that everything he did, that God seemed to favor it and bless it. And so Joseph rose up to be the head of Potiphar's house. And then, guess what happened? Y'all know the story, don't you? Uh, Potiphar's wife was eyeing Joseph. She was getting some eye candy. She was checking the brother out. All right. 
Trying to get a little help from the front row down here. And uh, she's like, uh, Joe's got Mo. So she gets him in the bedroom and she starts talking him down. And of course, even it says that she started basically undressing herself and saying, hey, the man's gone. You can have it. And um, Joseph said, how can I do this? First of all, to the man who's put, he's, he's put me in charge of everything except you. And then the other thing he says, and here is a definition of the fear. Here's the highest level of the fear of the Lord. He said, how could I do this and fear my God? He says, so I, I want, and then he, he got out so fast, he left his coat in her hands to which she accused him of rape. You know the story, right? Falsely accused. And guess what? The dreamer, now he's sitting in jail for being accused of rape. Well, thank you, God. Where is God? I'm sitting in jail. That's what I was uh, thinking here. I, I wrote this down. You know, you think that he'd probably, if God wanted him to be a great leader, he was going to send him to seminary. Go send him to Bible school. You know, get him some education. You know, here's my thought. You know, you thought, okay, probably he would have went to Yale, but that's not where he went. Where he went, he did Yale. Sorry, that was a little corny, but... As I was talking to my friend up in Michigan who... I just told you he's been diagnosed with a, a very serious heart disease. And I told him the, the series I've been preaching on. I said, I haven't, really haven't got a, um, a title for it yet. He said, well, I got a suggestion title for you. He says, call it God's University. I said, what does that mean? He says, God and you in adversity. So there. See, folks... Even when things don't turn out like we think they should or we think that God's not there, what we find out, he's in behind the scenes still working. And even sitting in prison, sitting in jail, he's still got favor on his life. And then he's able to interpret a dream which gets him presence in front of the king. And the king was so moved with the favor on his life, he said, this man, I'm going to make my second in charge. And now, 17 years later, y'all, uh, let me give you a little information here. It appears to me that God is not really concerned with time. If you live in a microwave society, you know, drive through Jesus, you know, let's hurry this up, God, you know. God's kind of got, he's on his own timetable. And he's taking Joseph through and he said, I'm testing you. I'm refining you. You're getting an education in the, ready, school of hard knocks. And it's in this learning that you're going to be tempered and you're going to be tested and tried proved because I'm going to use you to save many people. And now fast forward, years later, this is almost 30 years later, y'all, from when the story first started. Uh, Joseph was probably 18 years old when he had the dream. All right, now this is some 30 years later and here his brothers are standing before him because of the famine that he had the dream that was going to take place. And he's standing before him and understand he, he had obviously had worked this out. He, he, you know, he, could you think of, you know, if somebody did that to you, it's like, man, you just wait. 
you know, don't you turn, don't, don't walk down a dark alley by yourself. You know, I'll get you for what you've done. We don't see that in Joseph. He stands before them and look at what he said. He said, you, what you did to me was wrong. He said, but what you don't know is God took what you did to me and he reset the button and he made it for my good. So in other words, you thought you, you thought you threw me into the pit. You thought me sold me into slavery. My God was in charge the whole time. And then he did it because he could position me because I'm going to be a savior. I'm going to be in a place where I can help my people during a time of famine. Can I give you the, the literal translation of this? The Hebrew word ferment, is, it's a Hebrew word. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, uh, uh, an action word. Look at what it says. It, is, it means to weave, to plait, or to rot. Now, this, now, remember I told you I'm going to get to a jump off place and I'm just going to stop because that's where I'm going next time. There is in every one of our lives a hidden thread that God is weaving. And he's doing something that we can't perceive and yet he's there. It means to weave, plat, to rot. The little translation of what he said to them, he said, you wove evil, but God rewove it together for the good. Now you say, can you break that down for us, brother? No, I don't think I can. Except to say that we can see a lot of things on the surface when God is working in our lives. But beloved, you just got to understand this. There are things that he's doing that you can't see. And he's doing it, you can see his nature. He's doing it for our good. I want to go ahead and make an announcement today. And it's this, the following. God is good. And I want you to know something else. He's good all the time. I'm going to stare you down. And another thing, and all the time, God is good. What you talking about, preacher? You talk, well, during times of despair, he's good. Persecution, hardship, necessities, reproaches, insults, offenses, violation, mistreatment, taken advantage of. He's good. What about when I get a report from the doctor? It's not a good report. He's good. What about when somebody cuts me off in traffic? Or do you give them a, a Christian honk? And then you feel better because you swore with your horn. Come on, he's still good. Oh, I love the mountaintops, preacher. Talk about the mountaintops. Talk about uh, overcoming all the time. Talk about, you know, prosperity and, and, and blessing and favor. Talk about that. Well, he's, he's with you on the mountaintops, but he's also good in the valley. And he's doing something we can't see. And so this word meant means that he's weaving something together. And notice what it says there. And, and my goodness, I've got, I've got to move along here. It says, God meant it for good in order to bring about, um, as it is this day, good to salvation of many people. You know what the, the, the other part of that means? <laughs> it means that God saw what was going to happen in the future and he started a construction project. 
Anybody ever been to a place where they were doing construction on the road? Come on. Three, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Um, you know, in Florida, it's, it's, it's perpetual road construction. Anybody been to Florida? Do you know the new state flower in Florida is a traffic cone? But you got to get this idea. First of all, he's saying what you did for me, you intended to do me harm. You, you did an injustice to me, but what I'm telling you, God took it out of your hand, replatted it, and put it back to me and made it good. And then he says, and not only that, God did this because way out in front of what you did, God's got a road construction project. And he is setting a way for me to get to where this dream told me I was going to go. And guess what? You can't do nothing about it. I'm some such bad grammar, but the devil can't touch the purposes and the plans God has for your life. He can't override it. No matter what happens, God says, I can, re, I can rewind it. I can retrace it. Oh, listen to this. This is... Uh, Psalm 31, 19. I, I got to read this to you. Oh, how great is your goodness, the psalmist says, which you've laid up for those who fear, revere, and worship you. Goodness, which you have wrought. See that name wrought, or that word? For those who trust and take refuge in you before the sons of men. See that before the sons of men. I'll have to come back to that. But that means right, right smack in the middle up in everybody's face that you can look and say okay you can look at me and judge but I want you to know there's a God who's really my judge and there's a God that your judgment passed on me means nothing I have a righteous judge come on somebody and he says oh how great is your goodness I want you to know something God is good all the time there is something else. When you start studying the attributes of God, it's, it's called the, the immutability. Come on, you say it. <laughs> you kind of almost went in tongues there a little bit, you know. The immutability of God. It means he does not change. He says in Malachi, I am the Lord. I change not. The writer of Hebrews said, Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. James puts it this way. He said, the father of light in whom there is no shadow of turning. In other words, what it means is God is not moody. God is not given to mood swings. He's not manic depressive. You don't come to him one day and he's up and the next day he's down. When you come to him, he's stable, he's steadfast, he's centered. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm trying to stand here and teach, not get red in the face. But God's goodness, you've got to understand, does not change regardless of your circumstances. You better hear this preacher today because I want you to know something. God's goodness over you does not increase when you got the promotion or the bonus or when you were healed or, or when you got moved into that dream house or when whatever. You said, well, I, God must really be good today. No, he was still good no matter how high you went up. But hey, hey, but, but what, what's this? But nor 
does his goodness decrease, and this is going to shock some of you, nor does his goodness decrease when you sin or when you suffer or when you're discouraged or when you've suffered another setback or when you've been abused, when you've been mistreated, when you've been violated, when you've encountered problems in your life. You say, where is God? Is God still good? His goodness toward you never changed. Isn't that good news today? He says, the goodness which you've wrought for those who trust and take refuge in you. The word wrought, the Hebrew word there, is to make or to do something systematically. It means ordained workmanship, to craft carefully. I need you to get the meaning of this word. You you need to get it into your spirit, church. It is the handiwork or the work of his hands. In other words, listen to me, God is good. It's like love. You know, the Bible says God is love. See, what that means is God does not have love. He does not possess love because he is love. And it's the same, you gotta get this. And the same thing with his goodness. God does not have goodness or as though he possessed it and now has it in his possession. He is good. And the good God has already shown his disposition toward you. He has been good to you. Oh, come on now. You see it. And since he said he's given us all things for our enjoyment. Just, just the little things in life. I mean, come on. If you've ever seen, if you've ever seen a beautiful snow-capped mountain, you know, like over Colbert Heights. I've never been over there, so I don't know. I'm just telling you, maybe there's a snow cap over there somewhere. Some, somebody's freezer they left outside or something. Um, there are all kinds of, come on, how about any of you like to go to the beach? Anybody wish you were at the beach right now? Come on, thank you. That confession is good for the soul. Get that out. I wish we were having this service on the beach right now. I could shout a little more. I might run in the waves. Walk on the water. Hey, thank you. But how about have you been have you been to the beach when there was the beautiful sunset and the the, the waves come splashing up, that beautiful breeze coming off the water? Do you understand that the God that created us and made all this is a good God, and He put that there, and He says, "I want you to see it. I want you to." And you ever ever been hungry and you walked in and, and smelt mama's cooking? I'm not I'm not gonna go there because I hurt everybody every time I do that. Pork chops and black eyed peas and help me, Lord. And it, he gives come on, huh? Oh, come on, black with with whipped cream. I like a little blackberry cobbler with my whipped cream. If you know what I'm saying. I mean, I'd put mountain top. Talking about snow caps. Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? Little peach cobbler. I think my little peach cobbler too. But listen, how about, see, I'm talking about God's goodness. Understand, when he made everything, including you, his goodness comes out of him and it permeates everything. Anybody ever been tired? <laughs> Can a cat climb a tree? Um, and it's time to go to bed and oh that bed's so soft 
Oh, man, you lay your head on it. Come on, I'm not getting a witness here. Y'all, ain't nobody here ever been tired. And, you just lay, and, 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 then, and then check this out. The next morning you wake up and you're refreshed and you feel good. It's, oh, Lord, thank you for a good night's rest. Hmm? Hey, how about this? I got a little baby back there. How about, how about the little coo of a little baby? Come on, somebody. Got an angel back there tickling her saying, tell them about it. Let them know. How about a baby after it's had a bath and been all powdered? Oh, my mama used to say, oh, I could just eat you up. Anybody ever heard that before? All you mamas know about that. All this, the laughter of a little child. Come on. Doesn't it do something? The innocence, the laughter. That just It doesn't take much to get them excited. I mean, they could sit and listen to a song. What's your favorite color? What's your favorite color? What's your favorite color? 20 minutes. And they're like, wow, you know. <laughs> well. God and all of his wisdom and all of, all of his sovereignty, because he's a good God, he infused, he wrought it into what he has made. God's goodness transcends all of his being. Psalm 119, 68 says, you are good and you do good. The word of God says that, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. The Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And it says, and marvelous are your works. So I'm hoping that, in get, that this, even this message transcends when we go through pain and suffering. You know, I had a prophet speak over to me, the same prophet that told me my spiritual name. My spiritual name is Jeremiah's Almond Tree. Uh, Jeremiah 1, 12, because he said, I'm watching over my word to perform it. So God says, as long as you preach my word, I'm watching over it. And one of the things this prophet said, he said, he said actually several things that were right on He said, and you will say, glory, the Lord is good. And unconsciously, folks, you've got to hear me unconsciously now for all these years I will go up to people and I will say it'll just come out of me and say the Lord is good the Lord is good he has so gotten deep inside of me that it doesn't matter what hell or or what heaven I'm walking through I can still look at somebody and say he's good and they say have you lost your mind and the answer is yes I have and I'm happy, just leave me alone because I found that he's good. I found that his, his goodness transcends everything in my life. And so this goodness of God, it's the essence of who he is. God is not only good, one theologian put it, God, God is not only is he good, he is goodness itself. Uh, God does, does not have less or more of goodness because you got to get this because I'm going to give you some scriptures here look at some of the skip down whoever's back there with me Rachel skip down to the goodness of God just look up on the screen for time's sake I just want to read these to you hey uh, before she goes to that one 
What was the signature quiz, Bible quiz question right here uh, in the middle of church service? Ready? What was the signature when creator God at the end of every day that he created, what did he say about what he made? So do you see? He's even putting his stamp of approval. You see, Vinny's not here today. I know, we, we, Jeff, you, you got some construction guys here. You know, and, and I know we got probably some horticulturists here. I'm looking over this way because I know some folks who like to, to fix the house up and fix gardens up and things like that. How many know that what we do is if we worked really hard on something to get it right, what do you do? You step back and you look at it, and what do you say? Now, you may not say it, out, oh, that was good. I'm awesome. I rule. I rock. I reign. <laughs> but don't you step back and see what you've done and say, you good, man. And that's not pride, but you say, that's good. You know what it says? And look, go to it there. It's uh, Genesis 1.31. Now watch, this is at the very end. And it says, on the sixth day, he said, and he saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. Now, you got to catch this because two things are happening when he did this. For the one thing, he made you. You are the crowning crescendo. You are the apex. You're the pinnacle. You're created in the image and likeness of your God. And he made everything. And he says, and basically it's like this. When those of you who've, who've had babies recently, didn't you go and get a nursery ready? Come on, because why? Because you knew baby was coming home. Do you understand that God, it says he spread out the heavens. He said he established the earth. Do you understand when he made you and I, he basically said, you're going to rule over all this. He said, in other words, I got the room ready. You're going to come and occupy it. And when he finished all that he made, and then he finished the man, he goes, he, 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 he pointed and he said, Paul, it's good. In fact, it's not just good. It's very good good. Beloved, you better hear this preacher today. You, you've got to quit going down and putting yourself down. You've got to quit speaking curses over yourself. You've got to quit playing the pity party and put, oh, poor pitiful me. You have been called very good by the one who defines excellence. And so that, that, that right there alone should make you pull your shoulders back, snap your head up and say, look at your neighbor's side and say, did you know who I am? I'm somebody. Amen. Amen. And that's a good thing. All right, now look at a few of these verses. I've got to hurry. Uh, Exodus. I'm going to show you just... Oh, folks. I just picked out a few. Get to concordance and do a little study on the goodness of God. It'll open your eyes. Exodus. Now, this is, this is when Moses said to the Lord, he said, God, he said, show me your glory. Look at what God said in reply. He said, show me your glory. God says, okay. He said, I'm going to make all my goodness pass before you. Do you see that? He says, when, okay, you want to see my glory? I'm going to show you my goodness. Are you getting that? Look at what happened in the temple when they had finished and, and it says the power of God came and filled Solomon's temple, Second Chronicles 7, 3. And it says, and when the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord was upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, the Lord is good and his mercy 
endureth forever. Do you understand what that means? It didn't mean that they just bowed down and just said it one time. It meant a revelation was coming out of the manifestation of his presence that they were seeing God and they were repeating it over and over. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. The Lord, are you getting it? It didn't get old. It didn't, didn't get reputation because that's what I believe what, why the seraphim cry holy when they fly over. The, said they never cease to cry it. It said in, in, in Revelation 8, 5, it says, and, and John says, and I heard uh, thunderings and there were lightnings and he said there were flashes and there were earthquakes and he said, and I heard voices. You want to know what that is? I've studied it out. It's the judgments of God taking place and when they see the revelation of his judgments and his goodness, they go, oh, you are good. Oh, holy. Because the judgments, understand this, doesn't mean I'm pronouncing uh, death on this when I'm pronouncing the curse. It doesn't mean that. It means when we see how he's taken justice and made it right, we're going to all go, not only is he a good judge, he's a just judge. And not only is he a just judge, he's a good judge. You see that? And we'll look at him on that and say, how great are your judgments, O Lord. Oh, thank you for your help, brother. Hallelujah. He said, the Lord is good. Psalm 52, 1, the goodness of the Lord endures continually. Psalm 107, and listen, there are three places in there where it repeats this. You've read it. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful ways to the children of men. In verse 33, it wraps it up by saying, whoever is wise and will observe these things even shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. You know, loving kindness is another way of saying his goodness. He says in Jeremiah 31, 3, here comes a word, ready, duck. He said, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Behold, I've loved you with an everlasting love. He said, and with loving kindness have I drawn you to myself. It's another way of saying his goodness drew you to who he is. You gotta believe he's a good God. Ah, come on, help me, Lord. Look at this word good is, is the word taub. It means to make good, to, to be good, to do good and to make good. The other word goodness is coming up here in a moment, but there's goodness in God because God is good. And the word tob, it means this, what is better or best, something that is beautiful. It means wellness, welfare, to be found favorable. It is goodness is an evaluation between what is good and evil or what is excellent versus inferior. That's why, and I'll have to get to this later on, you understand that God is good, but good is not God. Hold it, hold it, what? Say it again. God is good, but good is not God. Because let me tell you something, not everything that's good is God. I'm going to let you, I feel the, I feel the gears turning right now. <laughs> some, some good KFC is what we're talking about. Uh, you say, what do you mean? Remember what he said, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of. There are things that appear to be good, but the Bible says, but the end thereof are the ways of death. 
You've got to watch out for the things a lot of people in this world call something good that God's called evil. And guess what? That's not good. It's only good when God's presence and, and the emanation of, of who he is comes out. Jeremiah 31, 14 says, And my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, says the Lord. Psalm 145, 9 says, The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. Everything that we see that he's made is good, y'all. Here's a false view of God. I want you to put that image up there because most of you probably know this. Do y'all know what that is? It is a false view of God. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's the yin and the yang. But you know, if you've never studied it, you may not understand what it means. It is their view of what their Hinduistic or the Buddha God is like. You see, you've got equal balances. You've got the white and the black, which the white represents he's, there's part of him that's good, and the black is just part of him that's bad. But notice that in his goodness, there is some darkness, and in his darkness, there is some goodness. And what it means is this God is confused. Amen. He needs to go on his medication. He doesn't know who he is. This is a double-minded God. And so whenever you see something like this, you can know this person has not experienced the goodness of God because I want to say it again. God is good all the time. And all the time, he is good. And there in him, there is no darkness at all. I got to hurry. Now, here's going to be the key verse for next week. Let me set you up. And then we're going to uh, wrap it up. Romans 2.4, go there with me. Romans 2.4. Thank you, Lord. I bet you've been thinking about this and while I've been preaching. And he says, and do, or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Do you understand the very reason, child, that you're sitting here today is because you have a God that's good. And he overlooked. Here's what I know because he's talking about, did you despise it? What that means is, is that do you look at it and say, ah, that blood, I can just trample it under my feet. Uh, that, that sacrifice, that cross, well, was it really a big deal? I'll just try to live a good life and be a moral person. I'll just try to, you know, try to be righteous within myself. He said, do you mean you're going to trample his goodness under your feet? The fact that how many times have you come to him and confessed your sins and said, God, are you tired of me coming this is the same sin remember that sin Lord I'm coming to you with it again and I'm going to confess it is, is your goodness running out he says no it's from everlasting to everlasting and as long as you come I'm going to draw you with my goodness some people come to Jesus because they don't want to go to hell other people come to Jesus because they have experienced the goodness of God and what I need for you to capture what we need to grab hold of today Folks, is that God is good. And, and that does not change. In fact, Romans eleven twenty two says, Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God. Now, in case that throws you off, what that means is this. God is good, he's merciful, and he's gracious, and he's loving. But also God is true and just, and he keeps his word. And once he pronounces a judgment... 
and it's right and it's true, he would be a corrupt and wrong God if he went back on his word. And he gave us the power to choose. And he said, and so see, his severity, catch this now, his severity, his sternness is because of his goodness. And his goodness, the, the breadth of it and the width of it is because he is severe in his judgments. And then that way we fear the Lord. We respect him. We honor him. We trust him. Um, I want you to look at this, probably one of the verses or chapters I've read many, many times of going through adversity, suffering. Past redemption indicates future grace. Psalm 13, verses 1 through 6. Listen, does this sound familiar? How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts day after day having sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes rejoice when I fall. And then look at this smack dab in the middle of his lament, of his catharsis, of his crying out to God. God, where are you? Don't you see my health is breaking down? Don't you see my marriage is failing? Don't you see my kids have gone astray? Don't you know I'm having trouble paying the bills? Don't you know what I'm going through? After all of that, David stops right in the, and look at what he does. He says, but, we need a whole lot more buts in the room. You need to let that sit for a second. But, I have trusted in your unfailing love. Thank you, Lord. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise. Why? He has been good to me. You've been good. You've been good. You've been good. Do you know what I'm talking about, church? You see, I had to fundamentally know that he was good when we walked through our miscarriage. Everybody, at least you could understand if you've never been with a child of what it's like to have been told you're pregnant and then later to find out that you've lost that baby our good friends Scott and Britt Silcox the youth pastors over at the rock just lost a little baby girl I think 20 weeks old folks we'd already had two daughters healthy beautiful girls but about eight weeks into this Deanna noticed something something's wrong Bill went to the doctor the doctor said you've lost that baby now you need to hear what I'm telling you today if you're not prepared when something like that hits your life and the Bible says they will come. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. It, said, it, said, it says, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom. So we got blindsided by that. 
Do you understand the first thing, and this is what most all of us do, when tragedy, when adversity hits our life, do you understand it instinctively, innately? It's, it's like an automatic reflex before you're thinking. The first thing you do is your thoughts go to God. Come on, somebody. God, why? Why? I think that God is good. You know what we found out later? That we had been on a missions trip to Kuwait and had been over there doing work for the Lord. When we got back a few weeks later, that's when she conceived when, was when we were over there. And I got a letter from the U.S. government saying that we had been exposed to measles on the plane. I got the letter. She didn't. And it wasn't but a few days later we were having lunch with Tommy Tenney and his wife. And they said their little girl, as she was growing up, she was developing and they noticed something was different about her and they went and did research and found out she had been born with a hole in her brain and the doctor said that was because she was exposed to measles as a baby. And we looked back and we realized that baby had been exposed to measles on an airplane. And I had somebody tell me that that little baby was a boy and we had already named him. His name was Jonas. Jonas. Remember the little boy? Heaven is real. Remember his mommy lost a little baby? And when he went to heaven, do you know what he saw? He came back and he said, I saw my little sister. The mother was shocked because she, he didn't know. She had a miscarriage. How did you know? He said, I met her. She's there. She's waiting on us to get there so you can give her a name. Folks, Jeremiah coming. I, I, I want to close. I really hesitate going here. But I think they're going to be okay with it. I saw the goodness of God on January 17th, two years ago. We were texting back and forth with Sean and um, Sarah had gone into labor and um, one of the last things that Sarah had said to me pardon me in the hallways I said I hope really hoping the baby boy is going to be born on my birthday because that's about the time he was due you know my rose my youngest daughter was born on my birthday and so uh, I got a text from Sean that they're, they're taking her in and everything was fine Everything was fine until the baby started to be birthed. I got the text and chunks and the baby's in trouble. And he 
to pray. We got down there as quick as we could and they worked for 45 minutes trying to revive the little baby. Lord, help me with my emotions. in the room Sarah was holding Matthew Luke and I walked over to the side of the bed and he was a beautiful beautiful baby he was perfect they still don't know why he died he was perfect he was beautiful understand why this happened but we will trust you because ready because you are good and that's where I'm going to pick up next time because the word says listen child of God for we know all things work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It says, for we know all things work together for the good. You've got to get this down inside of you, child of God, when storms hit your life. It says, for we know. It doesn't say we understand. And there is a difference. Father, you to stand with me, church. Father, when we read the story of Job and everything that he went through and all the loss that he suffered, and yet it said that he did not charge God He did not blame it on you. He did not sin with his lips. Lord, we don't always understand why things happen the way that they do. But there's one thing that we know by being with you and by reading what you wrote to us in your word, and that is you're a good God. And your mercies endure forever. 
Now I'm going to pray over one, over all, all of us, a closing prayer to seal this today. But I want to extend the invitation to anybody who's here today. If you say, Pastor, I'm sitting here, but I realize I'm not right with God. I realize that there are some things in my life that's not pleasing to Him. And in fact, if I were to die today, I'm not really totally sure I would go to heaven. But I want you to leave here today knowing that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, knowing that you're forgiven. And this is your opportunity. If it's one person, it would have been worth it. Now, child of God, I want you to pray right now. Help me pray for any soul in this room that's being weighed in the balance. I want you to know, friend, it says it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. See, if you feel that drawing in your spirit right now, it's his goodness. He's drawing you to himself. He doesn't want you to turn away. He wants you to come to his goodness. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're in this room today, you say, Pastor, I need to get right with God and I want you to pray with me. I want to get my life right with him and leave this place knowing I have peace with my God. If that's you, I just want you to lift up your hand right now all over this room. If it's one person, this is your opportunity. I want to give you this chance. Say, Pastor, I need to get right with God. Just put your hand up and down. Let me see who you are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anybody, I don't want to close this before I give you that chance. Thank you, Lord. Just put your hand up and back down. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want everybody to look at me. I, uh, I know that's a heavy way to end a sermon. But do you understand that even in through the midst of all of that, God's goodness never changed. The reason I told you that story is that I looked into the face of Sarah and Sean. I looked into the face of their families. And so many of us who loved them and were excited with them and wept with them. Yeah, there's a time for weeping. And even the Bible says, weep with those who are weeping. But there's something so much more deep and so much more transcendent than something we experience. It's just a temporary test. And we know that God does not change. And it was the next Thanksgiving that I got a call early in the morning. I don't know. I think it was a church. Was it a church morning, Sean? I can't remember. Was it a Sunday morning? or I think it seemed like it was. I got a, uh, what's that? It was on a Thursday, so I knew it was kind of a different day because I was, you know, starting to wake up and um, Sean calls me and says, we've just got a call from the hospital. said, there's been a baby born down there and the pediatrician wants to know if we would be open to adopting it. And they went down there, long story short, after several more tests, in between, they brought little Emma. There she is back there. Can y'all see her with that big bow? I want to get me a big bow like that. 
might help me out a little bit. But can you see that God, where a lot of people would have put up here and said, I'm mad at God. I don't understand. I'm hurt. They trusted and said, no, the Lord is good. And God says, I've got joy for you. She's a little bundle of joy. Emma Claire. Amen. So here's what I want you to register deep down inside of you. Get a whole boatload full of the revelation of his goodness. And then it doesn't matter what hits your life. It won't knock you off. It won't shipwreck your faith because you will have been grounded. No, my God is good. In fact, I want us to practice that on the way out. Sometimes it's a little trivial. Some people say it's like a little cliche. We say, oh, the Lord is good. God, quit saying that. Well, he is. I'm sorry. And it doesn't hurt to go around and, and, and tell other people, say, my, my God is good, and just testify on that. Can I pray that on you right now? And then I'm going to release you. I'm going to loose you and let you go to bless one another and speak his goodness over one another. Father, you're not a God that you would lie. You're, you're not a man that you would lie. And Lord, you are, you are a, a God who is the God of all justice, the God of all truth, the God of all grace. But Lord, you're also the God of all goodness. And I thank you that, Lord, it's this fundamental truth that we know that will get us from where we are to where you called us to be. And it doesn't matter what anybody may do to us, that, Lord, knowing your goodness, we can look right straight back at them and say, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good because he's in control of my life. And, Lord, we settle ourselves on that. We embrace that truth and I pray that Lord as we go through these days of testing and we go into this uncertain future Lord in these last days I pray that we would be anchored to this truth that the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever for we ask it in Jesus name now let me speak the blessing over you I pray the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face shine upon you And the Lord be gracious and good to you. May the Lord lift his countenance toward you and show you his peace. I pray that he write his name across your life and seal it with his blood. I pray today that you would be blessed with all the goodness that your God has planned for you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen.